0: Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we looked at our church vision, a church through which God is transforming his people and his world. Uh, We saw how God is at work raising spiritually dead people to life and then joining us all into one new humanity. Uh, Last week, we looked at our church mission, growing followers of Jesus, because Jesus commands us to go and make disciples of all nations. But to grow a follower of Jesus, we need to know what one looks like. Uh, and so we described a, a, a growing disciple as someone who loves God, who loves others, who's being shaped by God's word, who's serving his people and who is on mission. That's the type of, that's the type of disciple we want to be growing. This week we're going to look at how each of us can work together to do that now we can't grow disciples God grows disciples but we plant the seed we water the seed and God brings the growth and so we work with God Uh, in fact if you've got your Bibles open uh, hopefully right there at the end of chapter 3 just before the passage that was read we see that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us God is powerfully working through us as we seek to make disciples and grow people. And he's also powerfully at work in those people he's growing. And so that's the basis for the encouragement of chapter 4 verse 1 that says, Therefore, or, or then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. God will work in you As you seek to live a worthy life, a worthy life, I think, is then described in verses 2 to 6. It's a life of humility and patience where you bear with one another, where you work hard to keep united as a church. Now, that's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? (laughs) Work hard to keep united, work hard at unity. Because it's not always easy to stay united. Unity doesn't come naturally, is what this means. In a church, there will be temptations to divide, to disagree, to take sides, to separate. But work hard to stay one. There are so many things that that unite us. Verse 4, there's one spirit. We have one hope, one Lord, one faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all. Working hard at unity. Being humble will help. Perhaps you're not always right. That's what humble means, isn't it? Maybe I'm not right. Being patient will help. Don't react to that person. Count to ten. Sleep on it before you respond. Bearing with people will help. It's something slightly different to forgiving. Bearing is saying, it's a small thing. There's nothing to forgive. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Perhaps there's a good reason for why they did what they did. You don't need to make a big deal over it. That's just the way they are. And you can overlook something. God's people, the church, are one. But that doesn't mean we're all the same. We're united but not uniform. We're united but not uniform. We're one body but we're made up of many different parts. And each one of us has a different role to play just like the parts of a body. So verses 4 to 6 have talked about our unity but then look at verse 7. But to each one. We are one but to each one. Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Jesus, according to his wisdom and grace, hands out different gifts to different people in different amounts. Down in verse 11 it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Jesus equipped some people to be apostles, prophets, evangelists and pastor teachers. They are the main leading, teaching and directing roles in the church. Apostles were those who witnessed the resurrected Jesus, and so that means the role of apostle died when they died. But the other roles continue. And they all serve and lead the church. But it's not just gifts that come to individuals. The wording of verse 11 actually suggests that the leaders themselves are the gift or at least the role that they serve is the gift. So verse 11 actually says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastor teachers to prepare God's people. (laughs) the people are the gifts, or the roles are the gifts. Some people have such a high view of themselves uh, that we say, oh, they think they're God's gift to the church. Well, there's a sense in which that might actually be true if, if they're one of the leaders of the church. Jesus gives the leaders to the church for the benefit of the church. Perhaps you think that means it's their job to do all the work, For everyone else to just sit back and receive and enjoy the gift? Well, no. Notice what the purpose of these leaders is. Verse 12. To prepare God's people or to prepare the saints for works of service. You see, the leaders of the church have the responsibility to prepare. The word means to bring to maturity or or even to polish God's people so that they will do works of service. That word for service is also translated ministry. You know, sometimes I'm called the minister of the church. But according to this verse, that's back to front. You see, I'm just the preparer. I'm the polisher for the ministers. You're the ministers. We have a church full of ministers, of servers. And it's interesting, it's actually singular, To prepare God's people for the work of service. Which I think is about the idea of all of the different tasks having the one purpose. Achieving the same goal. Well, what's the one goal? Notice verse 12. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the one goal that everyone is working towards. The one work. Lots of jobs, all doing one work. All of us have the job of bodybuilding. Which which is not about big muscles. It's about a healthy church body. Now that body needs to be built or grown. Uh, The word means constructed. It's a process of growing from small to big, of growing from undeveloped and immature to developed and mature. Uh, And it's the job of all God's people uh, to do that. Uh, We are all ministers and we are all builders. It's not just the leaders and the paid workers who do the building. It's not like when you get a tradesman in. You don't get to sit back and watch the the leaders do the building or or pay for someone else to build. You're actually a home handyman. You get to pick up the tools and build yourself. So what do we build? What's the architect's plans looking like? What's this thing we're constructing? Well, verse 13, it's a body that's united in faith and knowledge of Jesus. We are building something where we are all aimed at Jesus. Believing the same thing. Serving the same Lord. Pulling in the same direction. Holding the same values. Working for the same goals. It's like a good swimmer. I've been watching some of the swimming on TV in the last week or so. A good swimmer... Every limb and muscle and organ works together and the whole body moves smoothly through the water from one end of the pool to the other. It's a work of art. And that's what the church body is to be like. Each of us have the responsibility of being part of a body which all moves towards Jesus. We do that as we encourage one another to focus on him, as we sing his praises, as we highlight his goodness, as we reflect his character to one another. Verses 4 to 6 have talked about how we are already one, in status, in identity, but a healthy church body will increasingly actually express that unity. We will look united, not just be united. Each of us will be personally trusting and knowing Jesus. Each of us will be submitting to him as Lord in every decision and situation. And so we will be growing in the likeness of unity as well as just uh, the status of being united. Secondly, a healthy church, built up church body, verse 13, will be mature. Uh, The original phrase there is that until we all uh, reach unity is what our version says, that The original phrase actually says, until we all become a perfect man. (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? Until we all become a complete man. Now, it may mean each individual becomes a complete human being, but somehow it's saying that the whole church becomes a mature man. Which makes sense, I think, if we remember that verse 12 has already said that the church is a body. And so our goal is that we become a mature, a complete, a perfected body of the church. Which is then explained, I think, in the next phrase. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now it could mean we, we, be, we all look like Christ or the church resembles Christ. But I think because it's talking about the whole church, I think it, it, it probably means that Christ completely fills up the church. Christ completely fills up the church. Now what does that mean? Well, if you read through Ephesians, the idea of fullness is a really big theme. It appears multiple times, the idea of fullness. And I think what Paul means by that is it's the idea of being completely influenced and controlled by something. Completely influenced and controlled by something. So when Jesus is filling up the church, he is completely influencing and controlling us. Uh, everything the church receives and uses has come from Jesus. Uh, we are completely—we using all he offers. We are using his power, his presence, his gifts, his character. King Jesus dominates and influences our priorities and our decisions and our actions. I think that's what it means, that the church attains to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul actually prays a similar thing for them back in chapter 3. Halfway through chapter 3, he says, verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God, and that you may know this love that surpasses knowledge. Why? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's you, plural. That's what he wants the church to be, filled to the measure of the fullness of God. To be filled up with Christ means to know deeply his love, to trust him, to be strengthened by his spirit. Now that's the goal for our church. That's the goal that unity works towards. When that is happening, verse 14, back in chapter 4, the church will contain people who are no longer infants, gullible, easily tricked by false teaching, The church will be stable and steadfast and resilient, in other words. The people in it will be stable, steadfast and resilient. And because Christ is filling them up, verse 15, they will be like him. They'll speak the truth in love to one another. Because truth is what people need to hear when there are false tricks and false teaching. Truth is what people need to hear even when it's uncomfortable. And our motivation when we speak truth is not pride or self-importance or comparing, but it's love. We speak the truth in love because we want to correct and and, and protect someone. And it's truth, verse 15, that will result in people growing up into him who is the head, that is Christ. How do you grow up into Christ? Well, I think it's about... Uh, people who are increasingly uh, who increasingly love him who are increasingly influenced by Jesus and who want to please him and who want to know his love and power at work within them and when that's happening to people in a church then there is a result on the whole church look at verse 16 from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There's another anatomical feature there, did you notice? Uh, We're not just a a body that has different parts, that has limbs and bones and organs. We have supporting ligaments. Now ligaments are what holds your forearm onto your upper arm and your your arm onto your shoulder. They're, They're ligaments that hold the bits together. So what is it that holds us together? Well, I think, have have a look at the chapter we've just read, I think verses 4 to 6, it's the things that we hold in common. They hold us together. Uh, We have a common spirit, a common Lord, faith, baptism, God and Father. But I think supporting ligaments are also the things that we do to express our unity. Verse 2 talks about humility and gentleness, patience, forbearance. That'll keep us joined together, won't it, if we're all showing those things? As we hold on to those things, as we do those things, and as we each contribute in the particular way God's gifted us, our church will be built up in number, in love, in unity, in maturity. Now that's the goal. How are we going? I think we're doing a reasonable job. There are a lot of people serving in lots of different ways. People are growing. People are being encouraged. But I think we can do better. I think we can be thoughtful about why we do the things that we do and what their purpose is. And if we do that, I think we should be more effective. You see, we're not just to be busy, we're to be working to grow followers of Jesus. To make disciples, to make mature disciples. A growing follower of Jesus is someone who loves God, who loves others, who's being shaped by God's word, who's serving, who's on mission. And so we want to encourage people at church, as they grow, to to be moving along a pathway. A a pathway is a series of steps that's simple and clear and easily understood and easily communicated. And at each step, people focus on one of those areas. And we've thought carefully about how each ministry in our church helps to make disciples. And so there are people who look after hospitality, who organise our our church meetings, who organise outreach events and evangelistic courses, people who teach Sunday school and lead home groups. Now all of those different groups and all of those people are helping to move people around this pathway, helping them to grow in their love for God, in their love for others, in being shaped by God's word, in serving and being on mission. As we focus on being more intentional, the hope is that each particular ministry will will be more effective because they know what they're doing or what they should be doing and they'll be able to think about how can we do that better. And so there'll actually be greater unity and motivation and satisfaction within that, that group of people doing that particular thing. And I think across our whole church it's going to mean a greater unity because each of us are working in a range of different areas, but all for the same outcome. And we'll know how our role fits into the total plan and how our role connects with that person's role over there. Now I'm hopeful and prayerful that all of that will mean that we will grow more and more mature disciples. Uh, The other change we're gonna make is that we're gonna call those different areas ministry teams. Uh, Each team will have a ministry team leader and team members. Now, at the moment, in our church, in all the different things that happen, there's there's a problem, there's a limiting factor, there's a bottleneck. Do you know what it is? It's me. (laughs) Uh, The recruiting, the organising, the training, the rostering, the feedback, it all goes through me. And so mostly what that means is it doesn't happen very well or it sort of happens as I can fit it in. And so what happens is the same people get stuck putting their hand up to do the same numbers of jobs and all the time they're connected with different groups of people for all the different jobs they're doing. But then there are other people who are not doing anything. Not because they don't want to do something, they don't, don't know what the need is. They don't know who to talk to about... How to help. And it means, because it's all on me for, to do all of those different jobs, uh, or, or to, to find people for all of those different jobs, it means there's not much development of their skills. There's not much planning or training for new leaders. But we're hopeful that this plan will mean that we can spread that load, that ministry team leaders will be able to look after. Uh, the effective running of their particular team. And so, our goal is that over the next few months, Roz or I, I think I just saw Roz sneak in, uh, Roz or I, uh, or, or one of the ministry team leaders, will, will talk to each of you, uh, sort of show you all the different ministry teams that we, we're hoping to get up and running, and, and ask you whether you would prayerfully consider where you think you could serve in one or two teams. Now at the moment, there's 10 or 15 of you who are on six or seven teams. And then there's another 10 or 15 who are on one or two teams. And then there's another 10 or 15 or 20 who are not doing anything at all. So we wanna spread the load so that those 10 or 15 are not doing six or seven jobs, but one or two. And so there'll be space for other people to join in. So there's something for everyone, we think. There are booklets available up on the back table. I don't know how many people picked up one. It's, it's got a big picture of uh, uh, serve, a hand on the front, and it'll explain, um, again, what the vision and the outcome areas and the mission of the church are, and also introduce the idea of teams. And we've listed all the different teams we're hoping uh, to, to, to get running. Mostly what they're the same things we're already doing, that we're rostered and you get little reminders of each week, but we're hoping we can be more organised as we do it. So when Ros or I or someone else says, can we have a chat about how you can serve at church? You'll be ready, hopefully, and you'll have thought about uh, what am I really keen to do? What am I passionate about? Or what am I good at? What am I gifted at? Or, or even... I don't really mind, where's the greatest need? Where where can I be the most use? Those are the sorts of questions to be asking yourself. Now, a little disclaimer, this is not all to help me achieve my plan for world domination. It would be much easier for just to keep doing what we're doing, but we think uh, you can show your love for your church family by uh, doing it with purpose. You can show your love with purpose. And I want you guys to be involved in this because God will bless you and grow you as you help to, to grow disciples using the gifts God's given you. Now in all of this, it's not we're not trusting a plan, we're not trusting consultants, we're not trusting schemes, we're not trusting our own cleverness. God is the one who will use what we're doing to, to build his church. He will grow his church. He will grow us in maturity and love and unity and hopefully in number. And he will use us as his co-workers as we humbly and faithfully and generously use the talents he's given us to serve his church. Let me finish uh, with some words from the end of chapter 3 of Ephesians. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.